0: Welcome into the show. It is Daniel Werman coming to you live from the Dream Imagine Sports Studios. It is Monday, June the 24th. It is 9 a.m. on the East Coast. This is your 6 a.m. West Coast wake-up call in all time zones in between and around the world. Thanks for tuning in this Monday morning. It is game day for the U.S. women's national team. They play today noon Eastern against Spain. That was a very very close encounter a few months ago. Um, a a bit of, of of individual play from the U.S. women's national team. I, I believe it was uh, Press Kristen Press. I think it was Press that um, that was the one responsible for the goal, if I remember correctly. Uh, but uh, it, it was definitely a little bit against the run of play. Spain were kind of controlling possession. Uh, just didn't have much in the attack that they could string together, had some chances, but, but not a lot there with close game one, zero. If I recall correctly today, they, they meet up again, uh, U S the overwhelming favorites to knock out Spain today in this, uh, knockout round noon Eastern at 3 PM Eastern. We have Sweden and Canada facing off today and, um, We'll see. we'll see how that match goes. Uh, a lot of people are picking Sweden, uh, but uh, I, I think Canada has a very real opportunity to, to, to pull that off as well. So uh, so we'll see how that goes. Um, today's guest joining us in just a few minutes is Jason Broadwater. He is a soccer coach and host of the On the Touchline podcast. We look forward to chatting with him. I was on his show a few months ago. Uh, as we were leading up towards uh, this uh, show uh, coming out of the SoccerWorks podcast, and uh, it was a it was a real privilege to be on on his show, and uh, look forward to having him on today to uh, to talk about things going on in his world and uh, things he he's seeing uh, with this Women's World Cup and and other things, et cetera. Um, over the weekend uh, there was. The knockout rounds began yesterday. France and Brazil was the headliner of the day. And uh, it took extra time. And in the second half of extra time, right after the restart, uh, the French women's national team uh, had a free kick and executed to perfection. They ended up winning 2-1 over Brazil. And uh, it was it was a great match to watch. Brazil had a had an unbelievable opportunity to score in the first half of extra time. Didn't execute. Uh, it w- it was an unbelievable save off the line. Uh, unbelievable save uh, off the line from the French defender and. Uh, France you know remained level at the at the at that point and regrouped after uh, the break in uh, in extra time came back scored right away held on 1-2-1 one, one. and then after the the match Marta was interviewed about you know her career about this team in Brazil and just about the women's game in general and her comments were just unbelievable. And when I say unbelievable, I, I mean in the best possible descriptive ways uh, it was unbelievable. She, um, she had some amazing comments uh, and advice for the next generation And um, these are some of her comments. She said, it's about wanting more. It's about training more. It's about looking after yourself more. It's about being ready to play 90 minutes and then 30 minutes more. So that's why I am asking the girls. There's not going to be a Formiga forever. There's not going to be a Marta forever. There's not going to be a Christian. Women's football depends on you to survive, think about it, value it more. And at the very close of her interview, she left with these words. And when, when she finally hangs up her boots, uh, um, she uh, just needs to, to go into philosophy and, uh, and, and public speaking because not only was that great exhortation, the first part, but this last line she left with the, the interview It was just great. There's so much meaning in what she said here. She said, cry now so you can smile at the end. And there is so much truth in that uh, statement. And um, what an unbelievable player. What an unbelievable leader. And, uh, And for every child, boy or girl, she has advice packed in, in that uh, last statement, but in all of her words uh, that can inspire the next generation of players, regardless of whether you're uh, a young boy or a young girl. And, uh, and it was, it was an incredible interview. She said it with passion. She looked right in the camera. She meant what she said. This was not some trivial, you know, um, line throwaway line and, and, and run away. It was, she meant it. It was heartfelt and you could feel it. Um, and, um, it was, it was really, really a touching moment and, and really inspiring. Uh, and, uh, it was just really good stuff. So, um, that that went on this weekend, and then another thing that uh, just looking looking at kind of what's going on, and if you're in 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 the American audience, um, you may or may not realize uh, that you are seeing the the payback for the. Uh, Athlete Council unfold before your eyes. And here here's what we mean by that. The Athlete Council, during the 2018 U.S. soccer elections, there was a lot of speculation that they were in cahoots with the professional council, with Don Garber, with Carlos Cordero, in basically aligning with them and the reason why we have an athlete council constructed the way we do within u.s soccer is not out of the the graciousness of of the federation's hearts or the the leaders within the federation it's actually mandated by law the ted stevens act was put in place um years ago and when when it was put in place it requires that any member of the u.s olympic and paralympic committee has to have at least 20% representation on their boards, on their committees. And the reason why U.S. soccer has to abide by that rule is because it operates Olympic soccer programming. If it didn't operate Olympic soccer programming and left that to the USOC or some other organization, they would not be required... To um, to abide by this law, the Ted Stevens Act, but because they are a member of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committees, the they are required to fulfill this obligation, and part of that obligation again is this twenty percent athlete representation. But it's a little misleading when people say twenty percent athlete representation. the The Ted Stevens Act actually defines what an athlete is. And, and, and what qualifies an athlete for the purposes of, of fulfilling this law? If you are an uh, an eighteen year old player playing, you know, in the NPSL, uh, or or you are a twenty four year old playing in a men's league somewhere, or you are you are a thirty year old um, female player uh, playing in, in the in WSL, but you're not a member or previous member of the national team then you are not considered an athlete for the purposes of the Ted Stevens Act only national team players or or players that have represented in an official capacity in a in a in an international type of of program uh primarily at a at a you know senior level but you could you can play at a at a lower level as well say a youth player or whatever can qualify to to be on the athlete council so if you are one of those players so that's that's not a big pool of players number one um, in that setup the those players are the ones that are, that are able to be qualified to be on the Athlete Council. It, it's very similar, if you want to think about this in, in relation to the U, you know, the U.S. law. You have to be at least 35 years of age to run for president of the United States. You, there, there are other rules about being the president in terms of you have to be born in the United States. You cannot be a naturalized citizen uh, to be a, a president of the United States. And and so in that regard, it, you have to be born a U.S. citizen and you have to be at least 35 years of age. There are qualifications in order to serve as president of the United States. So when you look at that and, and, and you understand how that law works, it's very similar to the Athlete Council. You you know, it it, it means that not in just anyone can serve there are some qualifications there and that comes from the Ted Stevens Act that is not a US soccer rule that is a that is a US law that's operating at the US Olympic Paralympic Committee level and because US Soccer is a member that's why they have to have to be a part of that now in that aspect there was a lot of speculation in the 2018 election that these athletes were basically getting um, a payout or bribes. There was a lot of speculation uh, uh, amongst other voters and members of the, the electorate that the Athlete Council was compromised and that they uh, were going to go with Carlos Cordero and with Don Garber, and, and they were kind of in this um, pact together together to, to, in the end, put Carlos or an inside establishment status quo candidate into power. So from the outside, a lot of people were thinking, okay, the Athlete Council, and I was one of these, that the Athlete Council would be standing up for all players, they would be representing all athletes and working on behalf of all athletes to get soccer people, people that really cared about getting the sport right uh, into power. Not someone who who has a business background and no soccer background whatsoever and and was there to basically from the outside uh, appearances look to pretty much you know keep status quo um, maybe some some you know micro changes, but but on a macro level, keep status quo in place well when when looking at all of that, aspect and, and all of those conversations back and forth and hearing the speculation, you know, there there was never any uh, proof given. There was never, you know, any investigation. And I, and I don't know that, that there would be a way to, to prove out, you know, that there was literal, you know, envelopes of cash pass, passed out. Instead, the, 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 the leaders of the federation are really smart. And one of the ways that they operate and keep their power is through coercion. And coercion can come through, you know, threats of force. It can also come through, you know, um, threats of, of income. And in the case of the Athlete Council, we now see that, that at least 50% of the Athlete Council Um, has been rewarded either directly with a a position of influence um, in in the U.S. Soccer Federation or uh, with television uh, money and through broadcast partners. And so now you see a lot of these faces are on TV covering um, the game and, uh, you know, a lot are working this Women's World Cup, for example, and they were all members of the Athlete Council in 2018, and many of them were not in broadcasting before. Since the election, now they they have, have gotten taken care of, and they've gotten, you know, TV money, or they've gotten other positions of influence within the Federation. This is how they work. And... Um, and so when we, when we look at it, uh, it's no accident um, that, that these athletes are, are getting these opportunities as members of the Athlete Council. This is how the Federation uh, uses coercion to keep power. So the Athlete Council, um, it appears to be, at least from the outside, it appears to be that it is completely in lockstep with the professional council And um, the reason why that's a problem is that between the two of them, you have, uh, you know, about 46 percent of the overall vote in an an election uh, when you only need 50 percent plus one to win. So, um, you know, it's something to keep an eye on Um, there. There are. You know, there's a lot of that that goes into this that the, the public just doesn't realize, doesn't see, and you think, man, athlete council is going to represent athletes, etc. It doesn't always happen. And in this case, it doesn't appear that it has happened uh, in, in a great way for the athletes. Uh, around this country uh, that were not a part of the at they're they're not getting the payoff just the members of the athlete council so it is what it is um our sponsor this half hour is duck kick brand you can learn more about duck kick brand at d-u-t-k-i-g brand.com use promo code d-w show to get 10% off your order again that is d-w show to get 10% off your order at DuttKickBrand.com. We'll be right back after this with Jason Broadwater. back to the show thanks for tuning in this monday morning again it is game day for the u.s women's national team and we are delighted to be joined this morning by jason broadwater the soccer coach and host of the on the touchline podcast jason welcome to the show this morning
1: hey good morning daniel nice to talk to you
0: so uh I was a guest on your show a few months ago, and uh, we recorded the episode a few months ago. I think it came out in your most recent season. Um, for the audience, give us a little bit of a background on your show and how long has it been up and running, and kind of w- w- what was the goal for your show when you got started?
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I often tell people that I listen to a lot of different podcasts uh, on a weekly basis. And, um, a number of them are soccer related, yet there are other podcasts out there that have been, uh, I guess you could say influential in the creation of my podcast. Um, so, uh, you know, if anyone's ever thinking about launching a podcast, the, the hardest part is actually getting started, right? It's sort of like, um, you know, if you're thinking about a fitness program or a new diet or, or something like that, the hardest part is actually doing it. And so December of 2018, is when uh we launched or i launched the on the touchline podcast and the the whole goal of the show is to connect listeners to coaches and players and influencers in the game and um what i've come to find is that there is a rich and authentic love um, especially here in the u.s uh for the game of football game of soccer and obviously globally uh you know that that love is there as well And my whole goal is to make the soccer world uh, or the football world just a little bit smaller uh, for listeners. So we've had, um, you know, yes, the the show tends to lean to having coaches on um, in their experiences and coaching psychology and creating culture and and things of that nature. We've had players on um, to talk about their experiences and and what that's been like. Um, And influencers, people that are you know, uh, they may not necessarily be involved in coaching directly uh, or playing directly, but they have an influential piece in the game. And, uh, you know, that genuine love uh, of the game of football or soccer, I think for all the guests, uh, has really been one of those uh, constant things that's come through for me. And that, um, you know, I I, <laughs> I, I wish that um, some of the folks in, in U.S. soccer would actually pay attention that, you know, this, that. that the love for this sport in this country is immense and yet i feel like we get treated as if we're like um we don't know anything or um you know we're sort of uh, dumb uh, in in our soccer iq and i'm really impressed um you know from what i've seen from guests from soccer twitter um soccer social media um there's a really high soccer iq uh, in this country and i and i love that about it so like I said, the whole goal of the show is to connect people, um, you know, to, to different people from around the country and around the world, and, and make it a little bit smaller for them um, in terms of their uh, their football or soccer experience.
0: In in the conversations you've had, I'm curious um, what what has been some of the lessons that you've learned or insight you've gained from. Some of your guests that maybe going into this, you, you know, we, you, you always have kind of an idea like, hey, you know, these, this is kind of my worldview when it comes to the sport of soccer. This is kind of what I think about the game, et cetera. What have you learned from some of your guests that, uh, you didn't realize or that you, um, whether good or bad, that you kind of walked away from the interview going, man, I'm, I'm really glad I had that conversation.
1: Yeah. There's, uh, a certain humility and um you know 95 percent of the folks in the soccer community that i've been fortunate to get connected to have been nothing but open arms and i would say everyone who's come on uh, my show has um been nothing but fantastic in terms of their willingness to talk about the game and their love of the game i always talk about that there's there's this other five percent that for whatever reason um you know, they have some knowledge of the game and they want to build a fort uh, around their their knowledge and they won't let anybody in despite, you know, everyone's best effort for them to share whatever or collaborate. I think I've been most impressed by, you know, that humility piece. And, and when I say that, it's the folks like Randy Waldrum at the University of Pittsburgh who, you know, two-time national championship winning coach. Um, there is no pretense. There is no... Um hey, I've accomplished some things in my career um you know sort of be very um you know have a level of reverence uh when you meet him Couldn't have been a nicer guy uh Erica Dombach at penn state uh same sort of thing um and these coaches you know they invite you in uh a lot of those interviews have happened in person um you know a number of them have happened uh you know electronically as well, and that I think that um you know just people's willingness to talk about. The game, and I think one thing recently struck me, so we talk a lot I mentioned before we talk a lot about culture and building culture within the team or you know individuals of how to lead players um you know individually or collectively and um had a had a coach or had a guest on recently, so every guest leading up to this point has talked about the amount of time they've spent building culture uh within their program and sort of the attention to detail. And, you know, Erica Dombach at uh, Penn State, you know, they have a person specifically on staff who does a number of other things, but their sole purpose uh, of that person is to build culture, a positive team culture uh, within their program. Found that really fascinating. So this recent guest that I had on, um, he was talking about, you know, he took over a program uh, this time about a year ago and said, you know, look, I haven't spent much time with the culture piece I sort of let the players shape it, and I kind of was very hands-off. And I was struck by that because um, it reminds me so much of what happens in our game. And you've probably seen this on on soccer Twitter, Daniel, that, you know, we we want to debate things sometimes, and sort of, you know, people are very quick to sort of say there's a right, there's a wrong. But maybe there isn't. There's a whole lot of gray. And I, I find that piece of the game incredibly fascinating, that there is so much gray um, in terms of what we do, you know, some coaches are very intentional about the culture piece. Uh, this particular coach was sort of hands off and said, yeah, you know, I think at some point I'll probably get to it, but for us, we have sort of other priorities right now yet that program was still successful. So, um, you know, there, there's no one path to being successful. And I think that's probably the one, uh, you know, if there's a silver bullet or, uh, you know, magic bullet, um, so in terms of what I've learned from the show. Um, I would say, too, in just the, the second piece, uh, the humility of the guests uh, and the fact that, um, you know, I joke, I joke with my wife all the time. It actually still amazes me that, um, you know, these folks that have had incredible success in our game, have done a number of things, are willing to just come on and talk about a sport that we both love. And the fact that, um, you know, uh, I've had a few coaches actually message me and say, like, you know i'm i'm a little nervous to to come on the show and you know i often remind them that you know i'm a coach um we're not you know this isn't sort of like hard hitting journalism here we're just having a conversation and it just happens to be recorded and i think once i let coaches know that they seem to let their guard down a little bit and uh, and can honestly just be themselves
0: when when you uh look at that kind of principle that you're talking about in terms of There's not just one way to find success Um, in having those conversations and learning the different ways, the different paths. Have you found any uh, common um, principles or, um, you know, ideas? Maybe they're not, you know, executed universally in the same way, but that kind of are maybe kind of a level up from you know just culture is it is it that there's a a healthy communication is it leadership have you seen anything like that that kind of uh, on maybe a little bit next level uh, macro level uh, principle that connects uh, some of the, the the success patterns that you're seeing in 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 your interviews
1: Yeah, uh, I I would say it's the word passion Um, for for every coach uh, that I've talked to um, that has gotten to a, a relatively high level and had some success here in the States, that their level of passion for the game is honestly off the charts. And a lot of them started with very humble beginnings in terms of, you know, it could have been bagging balls. It could have been as a volunteer assistant. It could have been you know, at a grassroots, uh, type of, uh, operation. And the fact that they were willing to do whatever was asked of them, um, in order to be successful, because so they weren't, they weren't living in the micro, right. Of going, well, I'm only a volunteer assistant. This is all I'll, I'll ever be, uh, in my career that they're really thinking long-term and they had the patience to think long-term and, and to be persistent, um, you know, I think that's probably been one of the themes that I've, I think I admire the most in, in some of the guests that I've had, just because for them to get to a certain level, um, you know, has been truly extraordinary in the fact that, um, you know, they, they had dreams and aspirations of getting there, yet the level of work and commitment and passion that they put into it was off the charts. In you know, I think for myself. Um, I mean, my ultimate goal is to is to be a college coach um, at some point in my career. And you know, those days where I sort of ask myself, like, am I doing this the right way, or am I kind of, uh, you know, getting to to where I need to be, or whatever? That I think back to these conversations. I think back to um, you know the coaches that say, like, go ahead, be a volunteer assistant. You know, uh, work for free. Um, be a sponge, connect to as many people as you can, um, you know, e- email until you can't email anymore um, to make connections with, with coaches. And for me, you know, the the unintended consequence and a very positive unintended consequence of the podcast is actually been creating connections. So, um, you know, I was telling someone recently that it's easy to send a LinkedIn, um, you know, sort of a connection invite And say, hey, here's who I am. I'd like to connect with you. That feels incredibly impersonal to me. And I think if you can have a conversation with somebody, if you can interact with somebody, just get a sense of where they are. um, You know, it it leads to a deeper and richer connection. And, you know, uh, and just every coach that I've talked to, whether it be in person or, or virtually, you know, all of them have said, yes, you know, you can come and watch a training session. Come take notes, ask questions. Um, you know, let's talk about how I view the game versus how they view the game and sort of see, you know, kind of what lines up and what doesn't line up. Why do they see it the way they do? Why do I see it the way I do? Um, And how can we come to sort of uh, an agreement, um, you know, of, uh, of whatever that might be? So, you know, I think for me that um just the, the connectivity of, of all this has been incredibly fascinating uh you know the the internet is truly the the great equalizer and um you know if you would have told me six months ago or a year ago that i would be having conversations with some of the folks i've had on the show i'd say you're crazy um but you know for anyone thinking about kind of venturing into this land i mean it it can be done and uh you know it goes back to that passion and sort of hard work piece that um if if you love the game you'll find a way i guess is what it comes down to
0: Completely, and you know, I, 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 look, I could tell you story after story in my my own life about the passion, and then the willingness to to work, to hustle. Um, and I guess hustle is probably the the best descriptive word to to get where you want to go. Um, whether in my past, it was you know getting just to get the opportunity to get in the door to work at a recording studio back when that was a viable career path, uh, before technology, you know, placed a recording studio in your bedroom, um, for, you know, a fraction of the cost. Um, you know, the, the, the only way I could get in was to, to literally clean the toilets and mop the floors. And, um, and you know, that got me in the door, that hustle, that willingness to come in every day Uh, at first I was unpaid and then eventually working my way up, uh, to, you know, second in command, really bypassing the entire staff, except for the owner. Um, but it was all kind of, you know, that passion and that the hustle and the willingness to work and, you know, that, that principle, um, that you're, you're talking about, you, I've seen it play out in my own life, uh, and, and and you see that play out with with those who are successful I mean if you if you saw the comments and I, I talked about this earlier on the show today Marta's comments uh, after the Brazil France match um, where she is exhorting this next generation to you know to, to work hard and to realize that you know her generation are not going to be around forever that basically this is kind of the end of the road for a lot of them. In um, that you know this game needs you, and not only that, she she ends their, her interview by saying, you know, cry now so you can smile later, um, and and you know all about the grind and the hustle and the willingness to put your head down and get to work, and, and understand that it, you're going to get frustrated at times. Understand it's not going to be always be easy. That you may not always get the plaudits and the in the applause and the praise in the beginning. Uh, but hustle, work, grind. Don't give up, and you know, eventually, um, you know, you can get the opportunity to get all of that down the road. And uh, I think it's a, I think it's a great point that you you bring up about what you're seeing from those who are having success. Um, you know that that effort to to become successful. Um is the reason for their success nick saban the head coach of the university of alabama american football team Um is is famous for talking about the process the process the process Don't worry about the score worry about your job what you're supposed to do in this moment to hustle To grind to get better each and every day at practice just trust in the process the results will take care of themselves um, and 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 I think that's what you're you're uncovering is the these people that their process may not may not exactly be uh, fleshed out the same, uh, whether you know they place a certain value or, or importance on culture versus leadership versus this versus that, but they they all trust in the process and that and that process includes a, a big amount of hustle. Um, to, to get where they want to go and to, to get better, um, in your coaching and, and I know you're, you you, say that you're, you aspire to, to be a college coach one day in your, in your coaching, what, what is your personal, uh, philosophy of play? What, how do you like to see teams play in terms of just a, a style of play or, or maybe a tactical setup, uh, etc.
1: Yeah. Uh. I I want to keep the ball uh, more than the other, other team. Um, But I, you know, uh, some people sort of laugh when you say possession with purpose. Um, Yes, we want to connect passes and yes, we want to, um, you know, uh, kind of navigate through the thirds of the game, um, you know, to create some scoring chances. Um, I'm all about uh, players that have a soccer IQ and understanding. So everything you just said there, Daniel, I mean, I'm, Like, I'm fired up right now because uh, I I feel like, my God, we speak the same language and that um, I love players that are gritty. I love players that are hardworking. I love players that are smart. And I love players that, um, you know, I often say sort of punch above their weight class. And what I mean by that is that they get the most out of their ability. Uh, They, um, you know, they hustle, they grind, they're... um, they 're not necessarily the flashiest players, right, um, but yet they bring tremendous value uh, to a team they're kind of the the grinders the the guys in uh, you know hockey or whatever that sort of like you know muck it up or whatever and you know they're they're the glue uh, guys and gals uh, of a roster, and why those players will forever have a, a special place in my heart that's the type of player I was um, you know was never the most skilled, was never the most technical um you know uh, had a decent tactical understanding of the game but that could have always improved and so had to work hard for for everything i have and you know i think for me it goes back to um i want my teams to play that way you know i want them to be smart i want them to understand situationally what we need to do um i don't want them to make um unforced errors you know to use a, te- a tennis term Um, In the fact that like, you know, we're shooting ourselves in the foot in the foot and that um, I want them to sort of be, you know, almost uh, I I was thinking about this recently. It reminds me of like, I don't know if I saw something on National Geographic or or whatever it was, but uh, about a snake and the fact that a snake is incredibly patient, right? And they're sort of uh, plotting and thinking and kind of strategizing. But then, you know, when that moment presents itself they attack and that I want my team to sort of play the same way. Uh, and I, and, you know, so to clarify that even further, um, I, I guess that requires a little bit of patience. And I think sometimes in, in football and in soccer, teams can get cr- incredibly uh, impatient in the fact that they want results and they want things sort of right now, whereas I'm more willing to, um, you know, kind of plod along Kind of almost lull the other team to sleep a little bit, and then when they're sort of least expecting, you know, we kind of we make that attack. Um, you know, and obviously, uh, if an opportunity presents itself, we want to be incredibly opportunistic. Um, we never want to, you know, go. Gosh, I watched. I, you know, what could have been there if we were just a, you know, a, a step faster or a, um, you know, sort of a dialed into the moment. Um, so, yeah, so I, I want to keep the ball, but I want to do it with, um, you know, with a, a really high soccer IQ. And, and if we lose the ball, I want our teams to work as quickly as possible to win that ball back. Um, because if I have the ball more than my opponent, uh, I'm going to say that my chances of winning the match are probably a little bit greater, uh, you know, than my opponent. Um, so it, you know, some people might say that's an incredibly simplistic view of a game. I think sometimes as coaches and as, um, you know, as players, I uh, was uh, tweeting about this within the last week or so that, you know, we get enamored with flashy and new and latest greatest and all these sort of things. And I think at the end of the day, if a coach can clarify, simplify and implement the style that they want to play and repeat the heck out of it, repetition, 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 generally speaking, I think they will be successful. Um, I had a conversation with somebody recently about that. And, um, you know, I I just think that having a sense of discipline and IQ is a very underrated quality or two very underrated qualities when it comes to our game.
0: I agree. Um, And and which leads me to this. Um, When you are looking for inspiration for – that type of play, that type of coaching, uh, that type of philosophy, what kind of teams and what coaches are you watching in order to, to gain inspiration or maybe see uh, some new ideas that inspire you that you can then you know inject some of that, that philosophy or style, etc. into your coaching and into your team's?
1: So, I mean, I, I think if a lot of people answered this question, obviously the, the Pep Guardiola's of the world are, are going to be high on that list. And for sure, um, you know, they, they've had a, a pretty big influence on me. I also think of the, you know, the some of the guests that I've had on this show um, or on my show um, in terms of sort of how they view the game and how they go about it. So, and, and that's both on the men's and women's side. Um, I love watching the, the U S women's national team and can't wait for their match, you know, later today. Uh, so what Joe Ellis has done um, for sure. Um, I would say, um, you know, uh, I mean, obviously coaches in the premier league, um, you know, in, in terms of what they do uh, when, when uh, sorry, was at uh, Chelsea? Um, that certainly had an influence and I'd love to see what he's going to do at Juventus now, um, you know, uh, Bielsa uh, at Leeds uh, for sure. Um, in terms of how his attention to detail is incredibly inspiring to me. Um, and I would say here in the States, um, for the college coaches, you know, uh, Nikki is Brown at West Virginia. Um, I love how she leads her program. Um, Aaron Rogers at Ohio university, who I've gotten to know really well, uh, very impressed how he leads his program. Uh, Becky Burley at uh, university of Florida, um, Randy Waldrum at university of Pittsburgh. Um, you know, Erica uh, Dombach at, at Penn State, I would say all those have had a big influence on me just in the that they're bringing, you know, to each of their teams. And so, yeah, it's the the tactical knowledge, you know, of all of them have had success on the field um, as evidenced by their, their win-loss records and championships and things of that nature. But I also think that you know, it's all these other areas of the game. It's the leadership of players individually. It's the leadership of the team. It's culture. It's, um, you know, how do they build those those sort of long-lasting life relationships with players? And I think for me, you know, if if someone were to ask me why I got into coaching, it's probably that reason. I want to positively make an impact on young people that, um, you know, because I I didn't have – Uh, a significant number of fantastic youth coaches where I go, gosh, that person was incredibly influential. And the one person who was influential wasn't even a soccer coach. He was a basketball coach. So the fact that um, I've learned more from the coaches that probably had a negative impact on me, that I want to pay it forward to, uh, you know, the next generation of players to say, like, you know, coach can be a positive role model in your life, besides family, besides parents, besides siblings, um, whomever it might be, you know, that is important in a player's life. Like, I could be that person. And maybe that's a lofty goal. I, I don't know. But, um, you know, I want them to look back and that they equate football or soccer with fun. I want them to equate it with being part of something bigger than themselves. And that, um, you know, something that it took me a while for my li- in my life to understand this that soccer can truly be a lifelong activity, and that soccer doesn't end just because, or football doesn't end just because a player is done playing. There's so many avenues and so many branches of the football and soccer tree that someone can go down and be a part of. And uh, you know, and and I think that for me, being um, you know, getting into coaching a little bit older uh, in my life, that I admire the coaches that have been able to sort of make that pivot um, you know, in, in terms of what they were doing professionally, but yet their passion at the end of the day was what won out and finding ways to pursue that. And I feel like that's where my life is right now. Um, you know, it's turned into a therapy session for me, I guess, but uh, you know, just knowing that um, even if I've had the absolute worst day possible, that I can go to a training session and the joy of being on the pitch or the joy of teaching kids or, you know, inspiring kids. Um, I mean, that is what makes me happy. Um, you know, besides being a dad and being a husband and, and loving my own family, um, you know, that, that is truly what motivates me. And, uh, you know, five plus years of doing this now that, um, you know, like I said, even on the worst of worst days to be able to go to training or or go to a match, is still fun. And I, I hope that honeymoon phase never ends. Uh, just because for me, I mean, I mean, soccer is just, I don't know. I mean, it's the best sport in the world. And, uh, for, for those of us that have been enlightened <laughs> and for those of us that have seen it, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I, and, and you know, for a guy that grew up in an, in a, an incredibly American influenced sporting environment, um, I virtually watch almost no American sports at this point, um, other than soccer. Um, it just, they don't have the appeal that they, uh, they used to, to have for me. So, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> so hopefully I get there someday, I guess.
0: So, um, when you look out at the landscape of American soccer and your own, you know, aspirations uh your your own ideas um your own goals as a coach etc um looking at the american game where what are some areas that you think we can get better and how do you how do you think we can get better
1: well i i mean at the the youth level um where i've probably had the, the most experience um the the access to the game needs to be easier um for for players and for parents and um having worked in a uh, a pay to play model that that is uh largely problematic um and i you know uh, I'm, i don't know if i'm going to say anything new here but you know the the funny thing is that's not going to go away and i guess the only piece of advice that i would offer to parents and to to young players be incredibly discerning when it comes to finding a club or a situation where they can fit in don't get enamored with bigger faster stronger uh, don't get enamored with um, sort of the sales pitch that goes on in youth soccer find a place that works for you um, as a player uh, or as a parent and that may be the road less traveled and you know what that is absolutely okay Uh, so I think pay-to-play obviously needs a a massive revamp um you know it's folks like me you and uh, our our group of you know like-minded individuals that I think all of us coming together and continuing to ask the hard questions of uh U.S. Soccer Federation of how can we make this better um because you know uh it's sort of like the the leaky faucet right starts as a drip and then it turns into a little bit more than a drip now we have a you know, sort of a critical mass. And I think that's sort of where we're at. Um, so I, I think continuing to ask those questions of, uh, of the U.S. Soccer Federation absolutely has to be done. Um, I think we have to stop settling for mediocrity. And, you know, Saturday night, uh, I, I felt like I was sort of, uh, you know, uh, maybe a little more edgy than, than I normally am, because I tend to be a pretty even keel guy. But, you know, the the fact of yes, we beat Trinidad and Tobago on the men's side. And it's like always forgiven, always forgotten. Um, Life is back to normal. Here we are, the path to mediocrity again. And we have to aspire to more. We can't, I mean, it drives me absolutely batty that that is sort of our level of success. Whereas I think the women have done it despite their challenges, right? Um, I, I mean, the women's team fascinates me in the fact that, the swagger in the, the attitude, um, you know, they have like a, an assassin's type mentality and I wouldn't want to cross Carly Lloyd or, um, Julie Ertz or, um, you know, some of the other players on the team, uh, you know, Rapino, uh, just because I think they bring this energy of like, you know what, we're, we're some, some bad dudes and you don't want to mess with us. I think we need that in American soccer. And I think we missed that in, um, uh, you know, understandably, though, so, some of the failures we've had on the men's side, uh, for whatever reason, we have been not very good at identifying a clear player path. And I think that, you know, and, and I've had this conversation with my nine-year-old son. There are so many ways that a player can go from being a youth player locally wherever that is, you know, if someone's in California, Texas, Florida, here, here in the Pittsburgh area, to then going to that next level. Playing in college doesn't have to be that next level. Could be, but it doesn't have to be. And I think we have this sort of um, – it's, it's a very American-centric um, view of the game. The fact that, you know, if someone plays American football – your next step would be to go and play for, you know, maybe Nick Saban or to go play for Dabo Sweeney or or somebody like that in, in, college football. Soccer is completely different in that. I think it goes back to my earlier point, players and parents need to get out of the herd mentality and they need to make it about an individual journey. Um, so that may mean making hard decisions that may mean, um, going against the grain, that may mean the road less traveled, but they have to do what is best for them. And that could mean going to Europe. That could mean going pro at a young age. That could mean bypassing college altogether. That could mean going to college. Every player's path is different. And I think until we more clearly define a player pathway, uh, I think we're going to continue on this path of, of mediocrity that we're on. The women's side is probably a little bit different um, just in the fact that a lot of women's players, you know, end up in college and maybe NWSL or end up going to Europe or or whatever. Um, That seems to be a little more cohesive. The men's side, not so much. And I think that, uh, you know, all all those areas. um, So there's a lot in our game that absolutely needs untangled. And I think that if we sit on our hands collectively don't ask questions of the Federation we are five years from now we will be no better off than we are today um, and it takes people sort of asking difficult questions, you know maybe some uncomfortable moments, but we have to demand better
0: I agree um, and uh, with that being said, I'm gonna put you in in power for one day of of American soccer you have you have the ability to do whatever you want with your one day in charge. Um, you have the power to change anything that you want to change. What What do you do with your one day in power uh, over American soccer to make it better?
1: Ah, uh, God. Um, so I would actually probably uh, clean house um, in terms of who is running the show, right? Um, because the, the nepotism, the, um, you know, sort of good old boys network, of uh, who is running the show right now probably needs to go. And so I would say that would be my first move, would be fresh ideas, new people. Um, you know, we can't, uh, we can't continue to have, you know, expect change but yet have the same players in the room. And so that would probably be my first move. And then I think I would get very tactical um, in terms of looking at what are we doing on the youth side what are we doing in our development academy is what are we doing with our national teams? And then basically dissect every area, rip it apart um, and blow it up, you know, and that's everything from, from coaching education. Um, that's the the people involved. Um, and I would start fresh. And, you know, some people might, might laugh at that and go, Oh God, here we go again. You know, but I feel like we've been on this path again with the same players. What has changed? Uh, I guess would be my question. How is it any different? Um you know we're we're losing players in the game. I think that's a major issue. And for a country our size, how in the holy hell are we not better at this sport? I mean that, that blows my mind that how are we not better at this sport? Seem to have gotten it right on the women's side. Um you know and I would say that's despite some of the challenges that the women have faced. Um, why can't we get it right on the men's side? And, you know, um, I don't know if that's a, a five-year plan. Um, I mean, I would look at everything, um, you know, from the youth to who's involved um, and all the way up, you know, to, to the national teams and probably first day on the job would be clearing out and, you know, basically starting from scratch um, is probably how I would approach that
0: well i i love your answer and uh, i love your your thoughts and, and your your uh willingness to to ask questions and to ponder to deliberate to you know hold to a, a standard that's something that's part of 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 you know nick saban in the process is play to a standard and um and so you know, to me, that is uh, that that is the a, a way um, that we have to look at uh, this game in America. Is we need to be playing or developing or or operating to a standard, not not what we just what we see, but what could we be? Where could we be? um, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, if we had that mentality. So I, I love, I love your thoughts. I love your insight and I uh, appreciate you, uh, spending some time with us today, uh, coming on the show. Um, and, uh, if people wanted to listen to your show and they wanted to follow your podcast, um, and check it out, where, uh, where would they find that? And, and how could they get more information?
1: Yeah, uh, we're available on 12 different uh, podcasting platforms. So all, all the big places, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcast. Um, all they have to do is just search uh, On the Touchline uh, podcast or soccer podcast, and it should come up. And if uh, anyone wants to connect, um, active on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, I'm at soccer Coach JB and uh love when people reach out and um D- dms are always open I'm always uh, down for a good conversation so
0: well jason thanks for coming on the show thanks for having me on your show and uh really appreciate you spending some time with us today
1: yeah daniel can't thank you enough man for the work you're doing and uh glad that we've been able to get connected to one another and and keep doing good things man um, been following along and um you know love love the guests you've had on so uh yeah glad that this soccer world is, uh, has brought us together
0: Appreciate it. Absolutely. The the, the feelings are mutual uh, in that regard, for sure. So thanks for spending some time with us. We look forward to having you back on again in the future.
1: Sounds great. Look forward to it.
0: Thank you. That is Jason Broadwater, host of On the Touchline podcast and a a soccer coach. And uh, check out his work. He's had some great uh, guests on his show and conversations uh, that are worth Checking out on the Touchline uh, podcast. That is Jason Broadwater. We appreciate him spending some time with us today. Our sponsor this half hour is Charity Water. You can learn more about Charity Water at charitywater.org. They provide clean drinking water to people all over the world, and you can be a part of that story. Go to charitywater.org for more information. We will be right back after this. No one, no man, no woman, no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs, with algae, with disease in it. Bad water and a lack of toilets
1: kills more people than all the wars in the world. We know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth. And when you can bring water into communities, it truly
0: Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in uh, this Monday morning. Uh, we are um, anxiously looking ahead here in in a few hours for this U.S.-Spain matchup. Excited to, to see how this match plays out. Um, the Spanish Women's National Team program is on the rise. Uh, the the U.S. women's national team had a tough match against them before. I do think they will prevail today, um, but that program is definitely on the rise for sure. Um, getting back to something that we were talking about um, when uh, well, before we had Jason on the show, it's about the Athlete Council. And I, I wanted to finish up a couple points on that. that. That speculation about, you know, why is the Athlete Council going with the professional council, why are they not voting for change and picking a change candidate um uh, that was was up for election in two thousand eighteen and there was a lot of, of angst after that uh election as to as to why that athlete council did not um basically take that opportunity to, to vote in change there was a lot of willingness within the electorate to, to vote in change more voters voted for change than voted for status quo but because of the way votes are weighted in the U.S. Soccer Federation the status quo candidates uh, were able to prevail and ultimately in the end Carlos Cordero was able to win and, um, it, and an important key piece here that I want to get back to is is that these um, the these athletes are no different than anyone else that deals with the high levels of the federation? At the upper levels of the federation, this is how the game is played. You know, it's not direct. Hey, here's an envelope of cash, but but if you want to get places, you have to play nice, and you have to go along. And they can provide you with, with income opportunities. And that could be with broadcast partners. That could be with paid appearances at events. There are a lot of things that go into the, into these athlete, uh, you know, council conversations. And, and, you know, when you, when you look at who these players are, a lot of them are reaching that, you know, the, the end of their playing careers and they're trying to figure out what's next. And, you know, when faced with a, a a choice of do we find a way to keep making you know an income in this game and and get access, or do we fight that and risk that we don't get that access in the future? You see a lot a lot of this uh, play out, and and so the, the real issue is the culture within u.s soccer that's one of the reasons why i find uh, jason's answer at the end about what would he do with this one day in charge he would clean house i think that that needs to include everyone at a at a leadership position we've got to to clean this thing up because the the culture uh piece stinks in all of this with u.s soccer and and i was as i was thinking about this today um i i, I was thinking about this quote from Lord Acton who said, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Um, And thinking through how this plays out in U S soccer, there is power at the top of U S soccer. And it is very hard to remove that power from those individuals. And The the election systems are set up to protect that power. Their decision making is protected. They make choices, even though the public may be outraged. It's very difficult to hold them accountable to those choices because of the way the system is set up, the way the structure is set up. It is set up to protect the power. And um, and so the athlete council has has gotten caught up in that power play, um, and so although there there are are some who who were already working in media and in 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 that aspect, there are quite a few others that it's it's very curious to see after the election now getting opportunities. Um, over some other players who were not part of the athlete council to 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 get some of these roles, maybe it's it's absolute complete coincidence. Maybe it's not, and um, and so those are things that need more scrutiny uh, within the federation. How choices are made, who's making the choices, and what comes down the road. It's not just in the moment. Those questions were being asked, and accusations were being thrown out. At the time of the election, but it's it's important to now look back and see six months, twelve months, eighteen months later, what has happened since? And we've seen a a series of things uh, happen since um, that allowed uh, you know certain people in the athlete council. To to get more or retain their power, uh, so rule changes were made in order for um, you know athlete council members to to stay involved, uh, in in and keep their power longer. We've seen others who who coincidentally get jobs on on TV um, that were not on TV before. I mean, those are questions that need to be asked and scrutiny that needs to be had. And if everything was on the up and up and up, then fine, it's on the up and up, but it it, it is worth a look. And it's, it's also worth noting, uh, for the public, this is an education moment to see how the federation coerces decision-making and choices. And this is how they do it, uh, by saying you want access you want access to power, you want access to, to to income, play nice. We'll take care of you on the back end. And and I, I've seen these stories play out time and time again. And, and for too long, the, the media has not looked into these stories enough and, and at least asked the questions. And maybe, like I said, maybe the answers are on the up and up uh but it's it's a strange coincidence to me that you see that 50 percent of the athlete council um you know getting getting kind of um you know a pat on the back after the fact uh with this world uh world cup coverage and other things going on uh since that 2018 election so who knows it's worth looking at um but the, the biggest uh, point for today Is that we've got the U.S. Women's National Team Coming coming up at noon Eastern Against Spain Tune in, watch Good luck to the ladies As they look to, uh, to, to Win World Cup 2019 And repeat as World Cup champions uh, So good luck to them today In their match We will see everyone again tomorrow Same time as always 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time You can watch live on danielworkman.com. Until then, we'll see you tomorrow.